the positive benefits of stress, mm. the positive benefits of anxiety. And I think a lot of people might think, um, what's this guy talking about? We've got to avoid stress, got to avoid anxiety. Actually, the reality is there'll always be stress and anxiety in life to some degree. And it's understanding that it's okay to be stressed and anxious. Welcome to Forever Young, the health and well-being podcast from Lanzarote. My name is Mario Pedazzoli, and in every episode, join me in conversation with a variety of health experts and special guests as we explore what it means to live well. We may not find the secret to eternal youth, but join me on our quest as we explore just what it means to live a balanced, healthy, and happy life. Hello again, and welcome. And so, following the conclusion of the Feel Well series, we now move on to the Move Well series of Forever Young. And what a way to start, as we welcome one of England's greatest ever rugby players. In a professional career that spanned 11 years and 55 international caps, he was the second highest international try-scoring centre of all time, and was, of course, an integral part of England's victorious and unforgettable World Cup campaign of 2003. And now a hugely respected figure in the game, he is also an author, broadcaster, fundraiser, and considered one of the great characters in sport. Welcome to the show, Will Greenwood. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. Thank you very much for that. I think my mum wrote that. <laughs> she did. She told me not to say yes, it. But, it's um, amazing what you can find on Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Will. And uh, well, how are you today, first of all? Uh, that's a great question. Um, because I've done some, in amongst that, I've done some teaching, I do some coaching, and I think check-ins like that are crucial. I have a couple of rules. Often, if you ask a normal English bloke, or we'll say fine, so one of my rules is ask twice. No, no, how how are, how you, are you really? Yes. Or I have a slight nuance and change the question, how's your mental health? Mm. How's your physical? So if you ask something a little bit more specific, I've found mm. on that. So your question, I would tell and then I always come back with a number because I'm a mathematician. Mm. I've got a little book on uh, algebra that I'm reading on the train on the way in this morning. Love, love my maths. And um, I'm a nine today out of 10. This is, okay, so if I'm a nine, it depends what the scale is. I could be out of 100. That'd be terrible. I'm a nine. <laughs> I tend to uh, sort of one to 10. And I think it's really important. So when I teach or when I coach, uh, I get this system going, quick check-ins, mm. I'm a nine, move on, give my time to someone else. Actually, great people call me Greens. Greens, I'm a four today, I'm here, I'm present, I'm not feeling it, stuff going on at home. Mm. It just gives people an opportunity, um, a release, an ability to talk about it. It, it contextualises it for co-workers, co-players, management, people who are reporting into the aforementioned uh, people who, who, who ask for help. And it just, in that element of understanding what's going on behind the facade, mm. I think it allows people to understand a little bit more about why they might be operating in a certain way, as opposed to the old school system, which was, if you're not on 11 out of 10, mm. I don't want you here, what's wrong with you? Why yes. you toughen up, that man macho up? corporate or, culture. Yeah. Yes. And it's the, it's the world I sort of grew up in. Mm. And the one thing I'm jealous of in terms of the new generation of player, I think... Um, there's a whole heap of things that aren't spectacularly better than we did, but I think 
um, where Clive was fabulous and where I think most teams are now really strong on mm. is mental health and checking in yes. and making sure that when you're turning up for work you're in a fit state to work yes. and if you're not then you're looked after and say go and have a day off you might be physically depleted you might mm. be mentally depleted um, I know that 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 was your first question for 35 and those are the sort of length of <laughs> for me but I, I'm massive on checking in yes. and checking out I'm massive on understanding we call them boom moments what's the best out of me how can I get the best out of me in this instance you know, it'd be, how would I get the best out of you mm. uh, I need to understand uh, what makes you tick what are the landmines to avoid what are the potholes to avoid what mm. what, what is going to send you into a a grump, a mood, a zone that, that we're not going to get the best out of you from and how can I lay uh, create an environment so that every day you come to work uh, here mm. um, we get the best out of you and your team. That was far and away the best answer to the question how are you today? Well, it, it was comprehensive. Which we always <laughs> ask. Yeah. And um, and I know you've had a busy start to the morning which probably in, in, in listening to you earlier I, I think helps you get to a nine out of ten um, yeah you, you train regularly um and i think for our listeners i should say you're looking incredibly fit and well but uh, I, I, i've got I'm about three kilos too light at the moment i've over uh, not overtrained. i've focused a lot in lockdown uh and we'll talk about some of the stuff i've done in the past two years i've focused a lot on the aerobic and aerobic yes didn't have access to gym and weights and i'm just my mum knows i go a little bit thin in the face uh, if I've overtrained, and so I feel great, but my wife will just go, oh, "You're at 94 kilos. I think you're better at mm. that." So I know my numbers. Mm. I think that's another thing that's really important for people to understand. Yes. they know their KPIs at work. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll know uh, revenue streams. They've got to find, uh, you know, EBITDAs. They've got all mm-hmm. these acronyms that they love, mm-hmm. and yet ask them what their resting heart rate is, mm-hmm. uh, what their sort of natural sleep patterns are. Um, what what's a good nutritional diet? Uh, how many units of alcohol should you have a week? And they'll sort of just fudge it. Yes. And I'm not going to sit here and try and pretend I'm some pretend I'm some sort of neuroscientist or or, or, or nutritionist. But I've picked up enough along the way mm. to understand what I feel will allow me to to become a nine to mm. to feel good about myself to enjoy my training to yes. enjoy not being a Tibetan monk uh, so a couple of nights out but understanding it's a balance mm-hmm. so. well said and and and, and I guess um, elite athletes and professional sportsmen and women at retirement can go one of two ways and and you've clearly embraced wellness and well-being and your own personal health journey and you're, you're clearly informed so what were you doing this morning I know you, uh, yeah. you mentioned you were you were rowing tell us about that because it started in lockdown I think yeah well. that's absolutely right um when lockdown happened, a couple of things. One, I started writing a book with a chap called Ben Fennell, uh, which got published last September, which, is, which was really enjoyable to do. Um, and two, I got together, I don't know, I don't exactly, exactly know how it happened, but sort of five university friends just were struggling with training. It's tough to find the lockdown three months, four months, you get bored of staring at a garage or going for a run around the garden and, and this sort of stuff, or a hundred press-ups. It's like, come on, I need some stimulus, I need to do something different. And we're fortunate enough to be in a situation that we all happen to own a, a watt bike and a, and a rower, mm-hmm. rowing machine. 
And we said, why don't, should we just meet on Zoom tomorrow morning at seven? And we did it once. We thought, should we do it in a couple of days' time? And that's basically how it started. And so Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and we've kept it going post-lockdown. We're not always there as a group of five, but there's five of us and the Zoom link will go out from Benny, who likes to be in control of the group <laughs> and set the, set the sessions. He's the best rower. And we'll log on at about six minutes to seven every morning, oh, so Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Have a little chat, check in. Mm-hmm. How are you? What's work today? Um, how's family? Um, make sure we're all doing all right. Um, anyone need any help? No? Okay, right. What's the session? We'll row pro- maximum of 40 minutes. Probably th- do it in 30 because we've all got jobs to get to. Mm. Um, and it'll be a it'll be long form, short form. I mean, that it might be um, sort of three 2Ks with three minutes rest in between each. If you're mm-hmm. banging them out at eight minutes of 2K because it's a bit longer. Yes. We're slightly faster than that, but I don't want to show off. Uh, then that lasts for, that's a 30 minute Come session. Come on then, what's your 2K time? Uh, so the, the best in our groups about, Benny does about a 622. And he's 51. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, he's averaging 135, 136 per 500 for that. I mean, he's not world record pace, but it's, Mm -hmm. and I'm the slowest, and I come in about 648. So so we do this sort of set. And then others, so this morning was what we worked out from professional sport, from rugby, and we like to borrow ideas. Is anaerobic sports like football and rugby, which uh, are, low oxygen intake, high bursts, uh, high outputs, then rest, um, injuries or half times or ball goes into touch for all these sports. And certainly in rugby, they've worked out, they do a one-two ratio. Mm. For every one you work, you rest for two. So if a game of rugby lasts, and they do last about 100 minutes mm-hmm. from start to finish because of half times and injuries, the ball's in play for about 30 Five. Mm. So what's left? Sixty-five. So you can see the ratios back on my maths. Got it. One on, two off. Mm. So this morning was a classic one on, two off. They're great mm. sessions, and you, you can pick your time. You can have one minute on, two minute off, two minutes on, four minutes off. These mm. the, these sessions, if you're working hard in the on period, they're really relevant. Um, so this morning was actually without two, forty on. Uh, 80 off 40 seconds on 80 seconds off 15 times who in your group determines the session or do you take uh, it in mainly turns? Benny mm-hmm. uh, but he's doing a charity row he's doing 110 kilometre row in 24 hours <laughs> in 3 weeks time and so he did an 85k row yesterday um, and he's doing 5k every hour so 20 on 40 off for 24 hours it's a good stint impressive Benny yeah exactly so we he set the zoom up he, we banned him from training today so you've got to look after each other on that format as well mm. so you can't train every day mm. put in a good session so we said you can turn up because he's insomniac so he was up set the zoom up he had his dogs ready and he set us off and um, I determined today's session um, and you always the dealer always wins right you always pick the sessions <laughs> you're quite good at yes. so the sprint sessions I, I, yeah I pick up the gold. But, but but this is all great to hear, and particularly that, that sense of community, I, I think, when you're training in a group, and of yeah. course that was your career, of course, um, uh, it it, um, it motivates and galvanises so much more, doesn't it? Because yeah. you don't want to let the side down as well. Yeah, look, I have a metaphorical shake uh, that I drink from each day. One is I do some form of physical health every day. And it doesn't mean I'm training every day. 
a dog walk. Um, I'll do something, even if it's only 30 minutes, every single day. And, and, and I need to do that in order to have the second part of my shake, which is to make sure I'm looking after my mental health. So I'm having a drink of physical health, I'm having a drink of mental health every day. Mm. And that um, might be upskilling. I'm reading about maths at the moment. I love maths. Mm. Uh, my dad loves, um, he loves the Forgotten War from the, from the Second World War, which mm -hmm. is sort of the, the Asian War, Burma, mm. uh, the Road of Bones. And in lockdown, I thought, well, I mean, that's what dad loves. So I'll try and understand what he likes. And mm. we can have better conversations with dad, these sorts of things. Then the other is to, so physical health, mental health, and celebrate some form of teamship every day. So what team am I functioning in today? What team am I going to contribute today? Mm. I think uh, winning's great, but winning together is the best feeling the best. In, in the world. And... Um, so as long as I have a little uh, shot of those three elements every single day, then I tend to have a good one. It was stolen from an idea. There's a great um, YouTube speech that I watched called Jimmy Volvano. He passed away from cancer. He was a basketball coach. And when he was picking up his award and he could see he was close to passing, he said, if you laugh, think and cry every day, you'll have a great life. Uh, and when you think about that, it's amazing. Uh, amazing. If you can stir each day to cry every day, you can laugh without, you know, those, those guttural laughs every day. And at the mm. same time, you think about how you can better. So we sort of tweaked it slightly. And um, so physical health, mental health and teamship every day is, is, is uh, vital ingredients for me to have a big smile on my face and, and check in as a nine out of ten. Well, well said, Will, and that, that, that's inspiring and, and very moving, actually, listening to all of that as well. Um, we've got so much to talk about today, and, and, and clearly we'll touch on your career and the values that have shaped you as, as the person you are today. Um, but maybe for our listeners um, who, who aren't aware, there's something going on at the moment whilst we're talking. Uh, try and describe the, the compromising position you're in yeah. and why we're not alone. Well, uh, Becky's in the room with us. Yes. And um, we met probably about a year ago when I was doing a, a chat about my book. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so this is where I'm going to say one thing that I hope I get right. It's Lanserhoff, right? Have I Lanserhoff at right? the Arts Club. So Lanserhoff right. the Arts Club. I'm an Arts Club member. Uh, I have been for about 10 years. And probably every year I would do a speech open to members talking about Lions Tours, um, Six Nations, World Cups. There's, there's an element of membership over there that likes their sport. Mm. And I'll come in and talk about a topic. On this occasion, it was uh, sort of introducing my book and some of the themes that I had in my book. And we chatted and understood just across the road. Mm. There's this amazing facility. Um, initially, I was my interest was piqued because I love... I mean, Wim Hof is taking over the world. Yes. But we originally used to put some ice and water in dustbins <laughs> and climb into a dustbin at England training. And then, mm -hmm. it got, then they built a frame and put some tarpaulin in. And on the side of the pitch, we'd train. And at Twickenham, these beautiful Victorian claw baths mm -hmm. that are still in the change room from the original ground. I mean, they are massive. You can get sort of three people inside on, feet over. And in the old days, see the great old photos, they'd be mm. out, they'd have a pint, they'd have a pie, <laughs> it'd be steaming hot, and they'd be doing everything you shouldn't do after a game of rugby. Yes. That then shifted with Dave Reddin, our, our fitness advisor, and, and out went the hot water. 
in came the freezing cold water, in came the ice cubes, mm. there came the stopwatch, certain amount of times, after games, after training, mm. immersed. Now, some of the science, I've been reading about it the past three or four months, some of the science isn't completely convincing that it has the ultra beneficial effect that some of us converts think it has, mm. but I'm also a great believer in, in a bit of placebo. Mm -hmm. And so I think it does stimulate this we're talking about cryotherapy yes. and there's a cryotherapy chamber here yes uh, which I'm going to go and spend three minutes in at minus 130 degrees um, I've always found the benefits of cold water cold air treatment fabulous for stimulus for metabolism for um, blood flow mm. Uh, uh, for an adrenaline kick yes the endorphin release as well. all this sort of mm. stuff so that's how our interest was peaked and then on the side of it um, there is obviously the ability to have I remember just coming, a sort of IV mm -hmm. drip of multivitamins that I've got aminos B's C's D's um, there's a whole menu here at Lanzerhof that yeah. uh, allows you to pick and choose where you might be feeling slightly depleted mm -hmm. at and I think it's a sort of Beautiful way to have an MOT mm. on the body. You put you take your car in for an MOT each year. Why wouldn't you mm -hmm. take yep. take your own frame in yes. for an MOT every now and again and make sure you're you're giving yourself the best chance of being the best you. Quite right. So maybe at this stage we should bring in Becky. Um, so so what is Will um, experiencing at the moment? And uh, and tell us a little bit about it. Sure. So um, like Will mentioned, we offer um, IV nutritional therapy here. So um, more commonly known as IV drips, as most people tend to have heard of them that way. Um, so Will's got our Life Plus infusion today, which is a um, special mix that we've made in-house um, based on research done by a Dr. Meyer. Um, and this has got high-dose vitamin C, all of your B vitamins, zinc, selenium, magnesium, and then an abundance of amino acids that then help support the different functions of the vitamins and minerals in helping energy levels, uh, and increased immune system functioning, better detox process, um, enhancing your gut health as well, and then um, definitely improving your energy levels from the high dose of B12 mm. and B complex. Um, and it's very important, like Will said, because, you know, people take supplements every day, um, different types, whether they're oral or powder form, but you're not getting 100% absorption from these. Mm. By the time it gets from your mouth down to your stomach, your liver then has to metabolize it. You lose about 50% of whatever dose you're taking. Where this is going directly into the bloodstream, you absorb 100%. So it's more readily bioavailable to the cells and you just absorb it straight away. So then in turn as well, the effects are much quicker and you feel better much quicker as opposed to traditional supplement, like traditional ice baths. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the, mo the modern version. Uh, yeah. and, and how often, in an ideal world, how often should... Uh, someone have an infusion generally once a month once we'd a month. say so if you're you know like well you're very healthy you look after yourself you eat well this is just a this complements someone's mm. healthy lifestyle we recommend to um, our clients our members that they have blood tests as well so we can do full um, vitamin and mineral amino acid level blood tests and then we tailor and bespokely make the infusion based mm. on your blood test so mm. if you're super deficient in certain things we put higher doses in or if you're you know over dosing 
so to speak, <laughs> on vitamins and minerals, we take those ones out. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you don't need it, your body will just filter it through naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, but rule of thumb, we say once a month. Okay. And um, and I think you'll agree, Will was particularly brave this morning. Uh, <laughs> Didn't even brave flinch. Soldier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Didn't I, even flinch. I think he needs a sticker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone. Doesn't matter how old you are, everyone's a sticker. <laughs> yes. Okay. It'll be arranged. Yeah, thank um, you. Thanks, Becky. So, well, coming back to, well, you're obviously training at a very high intense level, it sounds like, uh, in your little rowing community. Training, Actually, uh, just a bit. So where we love to talk about as well is it's, uh, we have a friend of ours, so of the five, it was key to remain nameless, um, who was at a different stage of life and we were actually worried about and uh, looked, I'd put, put, more weight on. He was a fabulous rugby player in his youth. Work gets in the way, puts some weight on. Uh, and in fact, I could talk potentially talk about actually Benny in a positive way. He mm. was 126, 127 kilos when he started lockdown. He's now down to 100. Goodness. And over lockdown through training. So in terms of our other friend who's with us, um, he felt a bit intimidated about, oh, you're all great rows. We don't do distances. Mm. So we don't do, because otherwise, if you do distances, some people finish faster yeah. and you're on the row or at the end, it's a bit demoralising. Mm. So we do times mm. and we only operate in times. So we'll train for five minutes, just five minutes on, three minutes off, whatever it might be. Mm. And in that five minutes, you just work as hard as you want to work. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to share your scores, great. If you don't want to share your scores, who cares? Mm. We don't care. Right. But we're training together and we have we range from a, a sort of 623, 624 2K time to some to probably an eight-minute 2K mm-hmm. time. That's no you'd think these people can't train together. Mm-hmm. Actually, we train together and have the most amount of fun. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what I'm really conscious of also talking about on all this is pairing up with people and there are ways. Uh, it can be intimidating. You're not sure where to start. Shall I even bother starting? How could I train with those people? Doesn't make sense. I'm a different shape. I've got different. Mm. Actually, you can find ways to train where um, age, size, Olympic athlete, pub team player mm. becomes irrelevant. It's actually the joy of training together. The other thing that is worth mentioning is if you know four of your friends are on a Zoom call at five to seven, mm. your alarm glows at 6.15, cause you gotta have it, you gotta have some food in you before mm. you train, just a little bit of a bite to eat, or maybe a coffee or whatever it might be in the morning before you train. Most of us certainly in lockdown, if you're working from home, just go, oh, sniff, mm-hmm. sniff, I'll, I'll do it later. Mm-hmm. And how often do you do it later and you never do it later? Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen. No. So I reckon of the, in two years, we've probably trained together 300 times. Uh, people go, wow, you, do you drive this green? No, I've got uh, Benny and Mincy and Dooney and Kano. They are way better at getting up than I am. And I reckon if I was on my own of those 300, I reckon I'd have probably trained 100 times. Mm-hmm. With these guys, I've trained two, I've missed maybe two or three. I've trained 297 times mm-hmm. because if you're part of a team, can't let them down. No, you can't, can't be on the Zoom down. call. They can't be on the start line and go, oh, should we wait for him? Should we wait for him? Should we wait for him? No. We cut the rope mm. at seven o'clock when it starts. If you're mm. not on, you're not on. And you just, there's a responsibility to the team that I've always loved. And so we're really inclusive in terms of performance levels. And it's really uh, engaging and um, 
you just the, the best way to put it you don't want to it's like letting your favourite uncle down mm-hmm. you don't want to let the team down by not showing up time after time well listening to this I think you can get the whole nation rowing at 7am <laughs> well Joe Wicks did it at this. 9 didn't yeah. he yes I mean, he did that's why we yeah. love Joe I, Wicks I think you're onto something here yeah it's yeah. Um, and we, do, we try and, you know, we don't try and change the world but you know this, this organisation here is about health and wellness and, and a lot of people think oh it's not for me and it's you need to be you need to um know everything about food and you need to have loads of money and you got to have all the equipment and you've got to all be Olympic standard. Mm-hmm. Um, that There's ways and means for everyone to increase their health and their wellness. And uh, at the top of that list, might is surround yourself with empathetic, caring people who want the best for you and you'll be amazed what you can achieve. Talking of which... Um Let's look at your your days as a as a professional rugby player, um, and clearly, I'm am assuming maybe the pinnacle, of course, was the England World Cup uh, win in 2003. My mum thinks it was the under 11 sevens. So I stand corrected. In 1983, I, I, I scored a hat trick in the final. She said you? you should have walked off, dropped the mic, and never played again. <laughs> All the injuries. Mm. And the concussions and the pain and the heartache. She says that at that stage, it didn't get any better for her. <laughs> so that aside, um, I really need to meet your mum one day. Yeah. She sounds amazing. <laughs> um, playing, of course, uh, under the watch of Sir Clive Woodward, who, as we all understand, was meticulous in his preparation. Clearly the team all bought into that, but maybe to different degrees. Was it a struggle? What was it like? Give us a flavour of what it was like training in that lead up to the World Cup and, and, and how he had left nothing. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, winners get to rewrite or winners get to write the history. Mm. The, the, anyway, everyone write, write, write the history, but you only tend to read the winner's version. Mm. Um, the reality is we were spectacularly average at the start. Uh, we lost a heap of games. Mm. And I wasn't part of the team, but I was part of the squad that lost 76-0 to Australia. Um Everyone goes, wow, that team awesome. Let's bring them back. Well, just, you might have airbrushed over a few things. Um, so in the early years, it was tough. Uh, in the early years, not everyone bought into it. Mm. it is thought, many thought it was a crackpot, bringing in new ideas, sports science, data, mm. um, GPS systems, um, training with the Marines. Which, of course, is not standard, but certainly commonplace. No, now. it is mm. absolutely mm. completely standard mm. uh, now. And a vision coach, Dr. Cheryl Calder, amazing woman. And a guy called Humphrey from Lloyd's Development Capital would come in and talk to us. And so we had all these ideas and some were like, this will never work. Let's go back to the old days. It's much better. Uh, and let's look after your own jersey. Actually, a senior leadership group within it, and you're talking about the names of Martin Johnson, Lawrence Delalio, Jason Leonard, Neil Bat, Matt Dawson, the the older guy, mm. were like, oh, actually, finally someone who can take us to a different level. Mm. There were others who always, there's no need to talk about the negatives and the, and the names there. There are others who like, well, not sure about this, and slowly they disappeared from the group, and more people began to, to, to buy into that element of training, marginal gains. Mm. Um, we had a phrase which is, do 100 things 1% better, equals world champions mm-hmm. um, so it was much more about not trying to change the world in one day what c- what can we incrementally I think the Japanese have a phrase called Kaizen 
Uh, and so each, each, most organisations, most companies, most countries have different ways of articulating that phrase that, mm. um, as David Brell said, the, the aggregation of, of marginal gains. So it was a great place to train, it was a great place to work, which because it was work. He picked us for what we could do rather than for what we couldn't do, which is really enlightening. Mm. A lot of people just see the negatives, oh, we can't do this. Like, so you're always chasing perfection. Actually, what he wanted was different skill sets coming together, sort of complementary skill sets coming together, making a greater team. Mm. And two or three years of struggle. Uh, the governing body backed him after a failure in the World Cup in 1999 when, when some would have got rid of him. And uh, thankfully, they gave him a second chance. And we really never looked back mm. from January the 1st, 2000 until November the 22nd, 2003. Yes, there were a couple of losses along the way, but I can count them on one hand, literally count them on one hand in the next four years, um, which we need to think about the countries we're playing home and away on a regular basis. Mm. Just puts into context how good Clive was and how good Martin's team was. And there's a lesson in itself, isn't it, about sticking with the manager that um, that, that clearly has the values for success, but in, in the modern game, in other sports too, of course, managers are, are churned at a very high rate and, and that constant state of flux does not give a club or a team the foundations to succeed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, all the great dynasties tend to have been built on a, a, a great coach, mm. a great captain, mm. sort of being at the heart and being the backbone of a team's success. Um, you, that, yeah, look, you have to at least consider the other side of the story that not everyone is destined to be a great leader. Mm. Therefore, at some stage, you you have to say thanks, but no thanks. Mm. And that's where you can get trigger happy, you can get nervous about performance. In, if you were playing in a sport where there is relegation, mm. your team's flirting with relegation. How I like this guy. He's got this. I like this. This manager, she or he, uh, I think got great potential. Whoa, we're we're eighteenth in the Premier League, and mm-hmm. there's only four games left. Yes. Oh, they, they've got to go, mm-hmm. or, or they don't have to go. And mm-hmm. and and if you're the owner or the the CEO of the, that organisation, then. Yes, we. Well, I think we would all agree that stability tends to create success, but not all managers and coaches are great managers and coaches. And so you're trying to marry those two contradictory statements mm. together in terms of how long you give people before you, you try the next. Um, thankfully with Clive, they, they gave him a second go. And the rest is history. Um, and what did you learn about yourself in that period? Um, you, clearly you were constantly being continually being taken out of your comfort zone, presumably as players, yeah. and being stretched to improve marginal gains you talked about. What did you learn about your character and yourself? Um, I sort of, I think you understand what you learned about yourself years later. I didn't think necessarily that you'd have said, at the time, I wouldn't have considered myself a scrapper or a battler or somebody who gets up and goes again. I sort of look back on it and go, six shoulder reconstructions, two groin operations, nearly died on a rugby field, got dropped, got booted out of a team, uh, was told at 18 to try a different sport. Mm. And I get there on November the 22nd, 2003, and you go, well, you must have been a little bit of a scrapper. 
Mm. You must have cared uh, about your performance levels to keep coming back when you kept getting knocks like this. Mm. And so that's something that I take great pride in, actually. I'm pretty determined, mm. which I wouldn't have said if you'd asked me that question at 24, 25. Mm. But looking back on it now, I think, yeah, I think to have made the pitch all those years later after some of the obstacles, both on and off the field, that I had to leap over um, was strong. And then the other, I think, is an interesting one, again, when you consider the topics that people are talking about now, is um, the positive benefits of stress, mm. the positive benefits of anxiety. And I think a lot of people might think, um, what's this guy talking about? We've got to avoid stress, got to avoid anxiety. Actually, the reality is there'll always be stress and anxiety in life to some degree. And it's understanding that it's okay to be stressed and anxious. If you then have the support mechanisms and the capabilities to deal with that, the people to reach out to ask for help. Mm. And actually you'll find that stress and anxiety can be a great driver for performance. Mm. Uh, and it's finding your own, it's another acronym, I can't remember, I need to credit the name of the book and I can't quite remember what it is. It's a sports science book and it's called, the acronym is IZOF, I-Z-O-F. And that everyone has an individual zone of optimum performance. Mm. And in that, it's saying there are adrenaline spikes. There are, the, uh, I don't know enough about the sports science. So there is genuine, uh, the words I'm thinking of, which aren't the right words, serotonin, dopamine, there are hormones is probably mm. the right word. There are, there are different hormones that are released before competition, before work, because for me, rugby was work, that are that are released. And there is an optimal level of those for each individual mm. along the spectrum that says, actually, if I'm getting that level of fear, and you can mm. talk about that fear, yes. I'm gonna play great. Mm -hmm. If I don't have enough fear, mm. I don't show up. Mm -hmm. If I have too much fear, yes. I'm terrified of making a mistake. It's how you channel it all. So it's therefore, mm finding out what your individual zone of optimal performance is and then making sure that every time you go to work that you have that capability to mm -hmm. find that edge. I mean, people talk about it as the edge. That's another mm -hmm. way of putting it. Um, and so for someone who often thought stress was weakness, mustn't show it, mustn't show it. Mustn't show it. I sort of look back on it now and go, what did I learn? Which is the, the, the other part of your question was it's okay to be stressed. It's okay to be a little anxious. Yep. Um, but understand that if you're ranking it from one to 100, again, my maths comes into it. If I'm operating between 65 and 85, that's great. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what the scales are, I don't know what my axes are here. I'm just <laughs> throwing numbers at you. But if I'm at 20, yeah. I ain't going to be great at work. And if I'm, if I'm at 95, mm -hmm. then I should be really worried about what I'm doing to my body, mm -hmm. whether this work is conducive to a healthy lifestyle mm. um, and so yeah the much shorter version to that question which was what did I learn about myself retrospectively I'm pretty determined and I don't mind a bit of stress <laughs> <laughs> nicely said
summed up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Will, um, you know, we're sitting here getting excited, listening to all of that, you know, the build up to a game, how you channel your... Your, your nerves and stress um, all geared up to the game at the weekend. As a professional, with everything that you achieved, and, and of course, going back to the World Cup win, you know, the effect it had on the nation, you would have been, I'm sure, acutely aware of the feel-good factor um, that it generated at the time. It's 19 years ago, it's incredible, but we, we can all um, remember how uh, we all felt as, as spectators uh, uh, watching these incredible achievements. But as a professional that reaches the end of his career, um, how was that adjusting to, you know, the daily grind and, and without the, the adulation and the, you know, the full stadiums and, uh, uh, and just um, being recognised even? You know, a lot of sportsmen do talk about that and maybe not as much as they could or should because... Um, there's an adjustment to make and maybe not everyone deals with it as well as they can. Yeah, you sort of laugh and joke about the first Monday after retiring. Why why aren't 80,000 people chanting my name when I walk to the office? What, 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 what exactly is this? What, what, what crappy organisation am I working for that I don't have pom-poms and, and cheerleaders and, and yes, drums beating and welcoming me to the office? <laughs> <Yeah>. Welcome <laughs> to our AI organisation. We're doing our algorithms today, but we're going to have a little rah-rah Rasputin before we start. Um, so I was really lucky. Um I'm from an era where I went to school, I finished school, I did all right A-levels, I went to Durham University, half-decent uni, I got a degree in economics, I applied for a job in, a, in the city, I worked in the city for two and a half years, um, I did job applications, I did interviews, mm. uh, I worked on, on multi-million pound deals, um, I had scary bosses that I didn't want to let down and um, find enough dough to pay for me rent in London and feed myself. And so I don't want to overplay this, mm. but um, I had done normal things. Mm. Playing professional sport isn't that normal. Winning mm. World Cups isn't that normal. And getting, as you say, all that a million people at Trafalgar Square and MBE and you meet the mm. Queen, that's not normal. Mm. Um, if you think that's normal, then you are struggling mm. after you finish. I suppose that's the question. Yeah, yes. and um, I think the reality is you've got to go and find another passion, find something that you love doing, that you deeply care about, um, get yourself involved in an organisation that wants to be better every day. Um, it, it's, it's, it's sort of ironic in this question because we're talking about the first half of my life. Mm. But the other thing is, which is fun to do in a sort of educational capacity and maybe some people can take some ideas away from the podcast that they might just slowly change, quietly do things differently. Um, but I'm actually talking about the first part of my life, but the key is not to spend the second part of your life trying to relive yes. the first part of your life. Here's yes. me That's reliving the, the first part of my life on this podcast. Only because but, I've asked you. Correct, <laughs> yes. yeah. But So trust me, I don't walk down the street <laughs> telling people, well, yeah. let me tell you a little bit about building a great team. You know, and you do that for some speeches, and I, I go and I do some leadership talks, um, I do some team building events, on that's the way you get asked to go in. But the vast majority of the time, I'm sort of father of three, uh, I go down my local rugby club, Maidenhead, I run around with the lads on a Tuesday and Thursday, uh, I write for a newspaper, um, 
I work for an AI company. Mm. Um, I've got usual group of mates who, if I remotely start talking about what happened in 2003, <laughs> they smack me in the back of the head and go, oh my God, you're so <laughs> yes. boring. Oh, they sound like uh, great friends to have. Yeah, they, they're, they're really good. Um, yes, yeah. yeah, so um, where I think, to answer your question, it can be difficult if you haven't got a good support staff around you. If mm. the organisation or the sporting body you've been working for haven't been preparing you for it, Mm. which I don't think they're used to. And now, so there's a real, I think there's a really laser targeted on the rugby community. I think those lads born before 1975 are fine because they went through school, they went through college, they had jobs, then they finished rugby, then they could go back to it. Fast forward to now, Mm. kids born after 1990, there's, great academies uh, at the end of your club career they're doing work placements they're paying for degrees there's really great mental support and educational upskilling support Mm. that leaves me between 1975 and 1990 Mm. a sort of period where they were 20 when rugby first turned pro they left university halfway through to kids who just left school at 18 and played rugby until about 2012. Uh, I hope you're keeping up with me there. So that 1975 to 1990, that 15-year bracket, where Mm. those kids, those lads who played professional rugby, they were commodities, they played, they weren't really looked after. Thanks Mm. very much. Go and look after yourself. Mm. And you forget either they left uni early or college or uh, an apprenticeship or they didn't even start those, played rugby, half decent with a rugby ball, picked up an injury, did all right, uh, and then stopped at 30, and you just go, right, what what next mm. there? So, um, yeah, the, that, that, that group, I know, struggled a little bit more than the, the groups either side of them, and I think it's the responsibility, and uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier, I think most governing bodies now are acutely aware mm. of uh, of mental health, of uh, post-professional sport being quite a high driver for depression, mm. uh, anxiety um, in, in later life, because they, they, they weren't, the men and women who finished and who weren't looked after weren't equipped he said, well, they're grown adults. It's, it's different if you've been in this environment the whole time or you're in a professional spot and they're telling you what to eat, when to train, mm. uh, where to be. Have you got your passport? You hand your passport to a team manager. You don't even check in at airports. No, that's right. You don't book holidays. You know, and you, think, you don't pay gas bills. You know, uh, you know, being up to Man City kind of times, they've got a whole team mm. making sure that the players, when they turn up on Saturday, all they need to focus about is playing. Mm-hmm. Multi-billion pound businesses don't worry the players with... Mm banal functions like paying a gas bill. You're quite right, it's all taken care of. That That's the big sea change in professional sports, isn't yeah. it? However, those are people who will live the rest of their lives post-retirement. So, but I think what you're saying is they are preparing the ground for them post-retirement more these days. Correct, yes. uh, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's critically important that we do, especially in a, you know, you know even for, you might say, well, football, they've got so much money they don't need to work again. Mm. Oh man, that's a recipe for disaster. Of course, if you don't want to work again, you gotta be stimulating the little grey cells. Yes, you're a, an exceptionally 
relaxed human being if you can play golf every day mm. for 50 years mm. and, and, and not want to try and do something else. Which brings me to, to um, this question and, and coming back to rugby, I guess, and the current crop of stars that we have, Marcus Smith springs to mind, um, but not just rugby players. What advice do you have for, for anyone striving to reach the top in their chosen sport and, and stay there? That's a mass. I mean, I, I can give you 15 minute answers on, on small questions. That is a <laughs> that is the meaning of life question. Advice I would give. Um, so in the let's think about as a rugby player first, not a human being. I would say we have talked today about health and wellness. Mm. Oh my god! I mean, be, uh, university mates of mine would be throwing things or throwing their earpods into the Thames. Going, <laughs> this guy ate pot noodles and drank thirteen <laughs> pints of lager a night. So if I, I look back and think how good could I have been, mm. I toyed at it, mm. and now I'm realising the importance of it. So as a player, having no regrets and being your best self, mm. there's no way I got anywhere near to that uh, in the way I looked after myself. And now I, want, I wished I had, but I didn't. But so how can I change that? I can't, mm. but I can be better now. Yes. So... Uh, it's a finite length of time you're a professional sportsman um, I'm not asking them to live like a Tibetan monk which is a phrase I often use mm. but look after yourself and give yourself the best chance of being fit on a Saturday mm-hmm. and performing to the best of your ability and then you can look back at the end of your career and go there are no regrets mm. had Johnny Wilson not dropped that goal uh, and I had not been part of that team I can sort of laugh and joke about eating pot noodles and drinking loads of beer <laughs> Yes, but if you hadn't dropped that goal, I'd be thinking, oh, you muppet. Mm. I dropped a ball late in the second half, mm. normal time, when mm. we're on the attack. Mm. I, if I'd looked mm-hmm. after myself, would I have not dropped that ball? Like, sure. I know you, these you can't margins, go, the little margins that you re- replay in your head. Um, so one is give yourself the best chance of being the best you. Um, and then the other thing would be do your absolute best to be as kind to people as often as possible because you get put on a pedestal very easy mm. to go I don't need these people Why they, um, they, 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 this photographer get on with it take the picture um, this um, this ambassadorial role I'm doing oh god these muppets I've got to go and work with them but I get a free car out of it did you ever see that amongst your teammates and, well, call, I look, and call it out uh, there's probably times I was probably that person mm. you know look back on it was I the nicest human being in my 20s no Absolutely not. There's an element of trying to get to the top that may, has to make you be a little bit self-centered sure. and focused on yourself. But the one thing you always have in control, you are always in control of, and I can't remember which great philosopher said this, it certainly wasn't me, um, was you're always in control of how you make people feel. And you can either choose to make people feel better about themselves or choose not to make them feel better about themselves. And every time you come across people, if you can think, I'm going to leave this person in a better place than I found them, I'm not saying you need to be Mother Teresa and bless them, but actually when they walk away and go, that was a really nice interaction Mm. with a really nice human being, Mm. I think that'll put you in pretty good shape for the rest of your life. Mm. Amazing advice. Mm. And uh, you're clearly very self-aware, Will, and... um, and it sounds like that's been a process over the course of your career uh, uh, and post-rugby as well. Um, 
you're a family man. Do, do, do you feel you have a balance to your life with, with work, home and family and play? Uh, much better now. I think most older people say that. Like, oh, I wish I did. I think I'd be, I've got a fabulous uh, wife, partner, pal, um, Caro, who is, has educated me in emotional intelligence in the 26 years we've been together um, and turned me from a northern emotional rock into someone who's much more comfortable talking about feelings, emotions, physical ailments, just all the sort of stuff. Oh, you can't talk about that. Actually, our household, sometimes I go, oh my God, what are we talking about now? Really? <laughs> Over breakfast? <laughs> Shut up. It's not it, These things, you know, it's fine. It's like, and actually, it normalises it. And so any stigmas related to basically virtually any topic are basically removed. Mm. There's Sometimes my vocabulary is a little bit clumsy, but it's enthusiastic in a way that I want to be part of the conversation and help, mm. but that I haven't found or learned the appropriate or right words to use around topics. But I'd rather people try to be in conversations and occasionally make a mistake than stay silent and not get involved. Mm. And so... Um, on the balance side of it, yeah, I do, I do okay. We, we live with neurodiversity, which I find difficult at times. Um, yes. I come from a school teacher's background. This is what you do, and you're working on time, get it done. And actually not everyone's wired the same. In fact, everyone's wired completely differently. Mm. Um, and so having lived in that world or supported that world I don't live in that world that would be wrong of me to say I'm mean, try to support a child in that world um, then I think it, it does it, it it has to allow you or certainly be someone who's more comfortable with difference which I don't think I was when I was younger mm. well it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you we could talk for hours um, and listen to you for hours. Um, you're a real inspiration. And um, there are some very wise words there that I know we can all benefit from. Your infusion's finished. How was that? I feel 21 years old. <laughs> uh, Becky has done her job. I'm, uh, I'm a regular now. Um, you look it too. Great, yeah. Yes. It's, um, again, I, I suppose a question for you, Becky, mm -hmm. because often you go, well, I don't feel any different. Mm -hmm. But it, it's it's a bit like, well, I've done one training session, it hasn't made a difference. Mm -hmm. Or I've had one kale sandwich, I don't feel any different. <laughs> but it doesn't. It's an accumulation yeah. of Just things. Like there is no, yeah. oh, God damn it, I came here for a magic wand. <laughs> and we, but, but I know there is no magic wand. It's just small mm. incremental changes to lifestyle um, can make such a massive difference. Exactly. Well, cryotherapy next. Yeah. Of <laughs> so... Uh, step into the breach and um, maybe report back on that another time but, absolutely uh, well it's been a great great pleasure as always mm. and uh, thank you very much for joining us today absolute pleasure thank you, thank you.